Hey, welcome back, everyone. It's episode 13 of the Walking Well podcast. We are officially a teenager, I guess, in podcast weeks, whatever. Um, I'm super excited that you're here. As always, it's always a great time. It's always a phenomenal opportunity to be able to just share the space with you guys and to talk about like real life stuff. And um, there was a, you know, a bad on me. I did not tell you guys that we were going to be taking a break that last week of October and I had awesome stuff planned on social media to kind of just push some old episodes and, you know, just talk um, with you guys on social media. But that didn't end up happening. What happened instead was sort of an unintentional break and rest, but that's okay. You know, you need a break. You need to rest. It's, you know, something that you should do. So we turned 13 weeks old technically this week. And um, it's also the beginning of a new topic for us um, on the Walking Well podcast. We are talking about singleness, which is super near and dear to my heart, being a single woman. Obviously, it would be, you know, close to my heart. (laughs) But um, I'm stoked. I'm stoked to sort of talk to you guys in this space. It's something that I'm actually very passionate about. I think I would still be passionate about singleness, even as a married person, because I just have reaped the benefits of being single in so many ways and areas of my life that it's just something I'm passionate about. And I'm kind of like, everybody should at least kind of get some of this stuff down that I've been able to kind of pull from my single experience, because it's just been so rich and really rewarding and fruitful. So... I guess I'll give you a little bit of backstory, right? So um, my intentional singleness phase, I would say, was about the time that I got frail saved um, because it was like me giving my life to Jesus. And um, I was like 13 or 14, you know, in that space. That's kind of like the boy crazy era where, you know, parents are freaked out that their daughters and sons are going to lose their mind over the opposite sex and do crazy things and, you know, wreck themselves. And so um, I met Jesus right around that time. And I think the Lord just really impressed upon me um, the importance of saving myself and being intentional about who I connected myself to romantically. I think the Lord just gave me really good understanding in that area. Um, I knew I've known for a while that I've wanted to be married. Like, I don't know, I was one of those people that kind of was like born with a desire to like partner up with someone and take the world. But I think also the Lord really just did give me understanding and understanding that my desire wasn't for the hookup culture that I was seeing even then or just like, I want a boyfriend here and I want a boyfriend there and I want to, you know, whatever. Um, I think the Lord was very strategic about helping me understand my actual desire was not for all the flingy stuff that I saw around me. It was for something long term and something that had um, kingdom objective and kingdom agenda at the center of it. So that was like a really awesome thing for the Lord to kind of minister to me early on. Um, But I was, again, like 13 or 14. And so it was kind of like this time where I made a commitment to the Lord, like, hey, this area of my life, I'm submitting to your Lordship. Like you are my savior. You saved me from hell and, you know, eternal damnation, whatever. Um, But you also are Lord. And so I submit this area of my life to you. I'm not going to act like I'm, you know, a Christian and do what I want to do in my in the area of, you know, relationships and things like that. So um, very early on, I made that commitment to the Lord. And that was really during the height of like, you know, I kissed dating goodbye and all the purity conferences and stuff like that. And um, for those of you that know me, (laughs) IRL in real life, I actually have a purity ring that I asked for from my parents. when I was like 15 um, because I was just really like zealous and on fire. Like I was just I was that kid. Like when I got frail saved. Um, And it was just, it wasn't something that my parents forced on me. It was something that, again, the Lord gave me revelation of and really helped me understand the weight of and the importance of. So throughout high school, um, I was really kind of just like, uh, I was still, you know, I was still a teenage girl, right? So I was still, you know, like 
wanting to find someone worthwhile to be in a relationship, but not like doing anything at any cost to be, you know, in a relationship or anything. So um, high school is just kind of like a, okay, there's no one around that I see that I would trust with my heart kind of thing. Enter college and I'm like, yes, set me loose. My husband is here. (laughs) Um, God, just send me in his direction. I know he's here. Um, and high and college, I'm sorry, was really the place where I think me and God really got to the meat of what it means to be single and to submit to his lordship over my life. Um, and so there were plenty of times where I was completely discontent and upset and bothered and just like, God, how could you bring me here and not have my husband here too? You know, um, there were times where I was just learning about myself, you know, it was like, In high school, there was no opportunity. In college, there was plenty of opportunity and only closed doors. And that was a really kind of like, what's happening inside of me about this? And how am I seeing God? And God, what do you want from me? And what is the picture? And I've been single, but like, what what does it mean in this space? Um, So college presented a completely new dynamic um, that we'll probably talk about maybe today, maybe in the coming weeks. But um I'm in this space now as a 20-something where it's not really an intentional singleness, right? Like, I'm not trying to maintain being single, but I'm also not just hopping into relationships. Um, and and that in and of itself, that status, I think a lot of women find themselves, especially in the church, where it's like, I desire to be married. I want to be married. I find myself not married, you know? Um, and some of that is, I feel like people are like, it's numbers, you know, and more women than men in the church and things like that. But, um, you find yourself in sort of an unintentional singleness, but it's an intentional singleness in the way that the Lord has strategically got you where you are. And that comes with a lot of things to kind of be aware of. And so I kind of want to just talk to you guys about the things I had to learn, the things that I've learned, um, some of the challenges that I face, some of the benefits that I've found, and just give you some practical stuff that'll, if you're a single woman, if you've got a single person in your life to be aware of. Like I think sometimes single people get really frustrated with married people um, because we feel like you guys don't really know what it's like to be in this space. Um, And so my desire is at some point to sort of um, have my mom on the podcast and talk about, you know, like caring for the single person you know, in your life, because she and I, like, she grew up and she grew up dated and married in a completely different era than the one that I am attempting to get married in, you know? So I think that's an important sort of thing to understand if you're not currently single, but to just be, I mean, aware of what the single people around you, what like life is like, and not that you don't know, but um, just to sort of encourage my single peeps and inform, if not keep you sharp if you're married you know, whatever. So the first lesson I had to learn as a single person um, was that contentment is a journey, not a destination. Um, A lot of times in single circles, especially within the church, uh, people will get up and say, you know, you need to be content and then God can bring your spouse, um, which is ultimately a very frustrating thing because contentment can sound so ambiguous. Um, Some people define contentment as not wanting to be married. Some people define contentment as being completely okay, being single and not caring if God brings someone or not, you know? And I think as someone that was like, I want to be married and I also want to be pleasing to God. Like, I don't, I don't want God to be looking at me and going, this girl is so discontent and, you know, whatever. Um, In my, in my early days of really being aware of being single, that was a real struggle to like to try to be content. And I would get very frustrated. It was a huge source of frustration because um, I would find myself like, I'm good. 
oh, okay, I'm good. The furniture is nailed to the floor. There is no upheaval. We're great. And then just hit this pocket of space where it was like, I want to be married and I want to be in a relationship and just upset. And it would just happen to me. Um, Sometimes it was maybe not guarding my thoughts, you know, whatever. But other times it was like, it was just this feeling would pounce upon me and I just you know, was not okay again being single and was like desiring marriage, longing to be married. Um, And so I found myself really frustrated because I felt like contentment was a place that I would arrive at. And every time I would find myself discontent or wanting to be married, it was like I had to go back to start and regain all the ground that I felt like I had made up, um, that I had made. And that's just not true. Um, A lot of freedom came for me when I went to a conference and there was a like a women's panel and one of the women um, was recently married and we were talking about singleness. We were taking like a Q&A or whatever and someone brought up the topic of singleness. And she just said, you know, can I be honest? I was never one of those women that got to a place where I was completely content being single, where I was like, I don't want to be married. I'm good. And that was like phenomenal for me to hear because I don't think I had heard it before. I think i had always heard that contentment was a prerequisite to marriage. Um, and so it was like this carrot that was constantly being dangled out in front of me that I could never, you know, get myself together enough to reach and to, to grasp and attain. Um, and I think contentment is definitely, there's an ebb and a flow to being single and being okay with being single. Um, there, it, it comes in waves. Sometimes you're like, I'm good. And sometimes you're like, I don't like this. <laughs> and that's just real. And that's, that's just real. And that's okay. And I like want to give people permission to feel that way, like to feel the ebb and the flow because life comes in ebbs and flows. Um, contentment is not an, a, a destination. Instead, it's definitely a discipline. It's something that you exercise yourself in. It's something that you choose, man. Like, and in everything, like we are not hundred percent content all the time with the state of our lives or the way that our spouse is or the way that, well, I guess if you single, you don't have spouse, but like people in life are not hundred percent content across the board. That's not something that people arrive at. It's something that they have to choose and to exercise themselves in. And so that was a huge lesson for me that I can exercise myself in contentment and choose to be content, even when I'm not feeling it. Lesson one for me. Um, lesson two, I had to learn to guard my heart. And by that, I mean, um, I had to become very aware of where my heart was in singleness. Um, because we talked, you know, last month about your heart being soil and being the motor it drives your life. Um, but you have to pay increasing attention to your heart. And so I think one of the first things that I really had to learn to do was to deny, denounce idolatry. Like I could not make an idol out of marriage. I couldn't say, um, you know, I am going to be happy once I get married. I had to be very, be, be very clear about if I don't ever get married, God is still good. You know, I had to do the whole Daniel three eighteen. God is able to deliver us from this furnace. However, if he doesn't, he's still good. And I had to kind of take that as an initial step to say, God, I desire to be married, but I do not desire marriage above your will for my life. And if I don't get married, I'm not going to hold that against you and withhold praise and withhold like you, Jesus, are what I'm here for. Marriage is like a nice accessory. Um, and I had to do that at the at the onset. I don't think I don't think if you've settled, if you haven't settled that in your heart, I think that's sort of like a first step. Like, wait, in the, in the hierarchy of things that are most important, things that are sitting on the throne of your heart, is marriage sitting on the throne of your heart? Like, are you obsessed? Are you longing for, or is it Jesus? I really want to be married. It's a very strong desire that I have, but you above all else, your desire above all else for me. Um, and that, that had to sort of happen first. I had to be aware of where my heart was in that regard. I also had to, um, as far as like guarding my heart, I had to really get a sober perspective. I think a lot of times when single people find themselves super discontent, they're putting some undue weight on what marriage will do for them, right? So 
um, and all of my JLo movies and Mario's Let Me Love You, you know, you you tend to pick up this idea that marriage is going to solve something for you, that it's going to fill something for you, even if that's not like the over, even if that's not the conscious thought that you have, the longing for it tends to lead me to believe that I'm thinking that it's going to fill me in some way. Um, and I, I needed to get a sober perspective that marriage solves no problems <laughs> and that it doesn't fully completely satisfy anybody that if you're discontent in singleness, um, because it's a discipline, it's not like a state of being. If you are discontent in your singleness, you're going to carry that um, underdeveloped-ness, underdeveloped skill set into your marriage and be discontent. Um same conference. It was actually the Reach Records conference. Uh, we went to a singles breakout and I think KB was doing it. And he was talking about, you know, marriage and singleness, obviously. But um, he said singleness only gives you another or marriage only gives you another person to be discontent with if you have not mastered exercising yourself unto godliness in your singleness. Meaning if you don't know how to 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 be content with just yourself, you'll be discontent with yourself and with another person in marriage. Um, and so having that sober perspective that like, hey, marriage takes work and marriage is not sunshine and rainbows all the time, um, that it takes a lot of sacrifice. It takes a lot of intentionality. It takes a lot of denial of self. It's great, you know, it's to be held in honor, but it takes work. Um, and I think that sober perspective can ca- helped me at least kind of give myself perspective in moments of being like super flustered or frustrated. Um, next thing I had to kind of do within my singleness was I say I had to determine the standard of man that I would entertain, but really it was about me receiving what that standard was. Um, and so I, there's this very um, clear moment for me when I was in um, high school, I keep trying to say high school, when I was in college, uh, I remember being very discontent on one of these days. It would hit me in like waves. I just have like these streaks kind of, um, whatever. But um, I remember being in an elevator with this couple and they were all handholdy and stuff. And I was just having a blustery day already. And I was like, it felt like the, the elevator was running out of oxygen. And I just like couldn't take it. Finally got to my floor. Th- it was like, thank God I got off the elevator. It was like, Jesus, you have got to help me. I have to know what I'm waiting for. You have got to give me some inclination of, you know, the kind of man that I should be seeking out because I think it wasn't anything goes type of environment for me to not know what the standard was it was like well this guy well this guy well this guy well this guy and it's like no 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 no. you can't be shelving you know not shelving but you can't be dishing your heart out like that um there needs to be a standard of man that you entertain there needs to be a certain caliber and if they fall beneath that caliber then you you cannot entertain them there's something that you're bringing to the table there's people's lives riding on your obedience and that's too weighty to just be tossing out to the guy that stares in class and never says hello um, and so I had to receive what that standard was. And it was a really cool sort of uh, experience for me because I feel like the Lord just really detailed out who my husband is character wise. And that was helpful because um, it helped me discern. It was like, you have a problem with stealing. Nah, bruh, that's not what's going to happen. Or you lack integrity or even knowing what my purpose was and knowing that that was by di- by design and that my husband and I would be moving in the same vein in that way was helpful in me going, okay, we go to church, but you want to be a rapper. That's not what my calling is. I feel called to do X, Y, and Z. So I don't think it's going to work, you know, and not to say that you don't give people chances and that you're not like you listen to the Holy spirit. That's what you do. Um, and I think a lot of people have heard about like writing your list out. Um, my list has nothing physical on it has nothing monetary. Um, 
it's just like the character of this man. And so I think that list is very beneficial. Um, but it was not something that I just pulled up out of me. I mean, I kind of, well, here we go. I think I wrote that list out of dictation from the Lord. I think that list for me was, this is who your husband is, write this down, <laughs> you know, kind of thing. It wasn't like, I need him to be six five, and I need him to make this much money and I need him to call me baby. Like it was nothing like, it wasn't like preferences necessarily. It was just like pillars of character. Um, and that has been awesome for me. Um, and just like the dating process and the courting process or whatever to kind of go, all right, this is, this is the plumb line. And anyone that I entertain has to fall somewhere in that range, you know, not perfection, but this is the plumb line. Let me see where you fall within degrees of that or whatever. Um, and that was helpful. The next thing I had to learn, which is a very, very difficult lesson for me, um, was that I had to get very honest and invite God into a very intimate space. Jalan. Of course, you have to be honest with God and invite him into very like intimate spaces. But that was difficult for me. It was hard for me to say, hey, Jesus, um, I know. And this is back before I really had an understanding of grace, of how the Lord sees me. I mean, I was like four years, four, maybe four to six years into being a frill saved Christian. But there was still so much understanding I had to get. But I was very ashamed of being discontent because I was like, I'm not supposed to be discontent. I'm supposed to be content. That means I'm not satisfied with Jesus. And if Jesus knows that I'm not satisfied with him, I'm going to be in trouble. And it was just so much shame in like wanting to be married and longing for marriage and desiring marriage. Um, And I had to kind of, I was trying to like manage that, all of that, like I'm discontent, I'm upset, but I'm not supposed to be. So I need to like keep the noise down and be quiet and try to figure out how to make myself content again, you know? And I was trying to like manage all this damage control in the corner by myself. And that was just a no-go. It was not happening. Um, But I think when I learned, like the Lord's, the Lord's plea with me in that space and that season of time was, can you just tell me about it? Can you, can you just open that? Can you, can you take your hand off of the jar and let me see what's happening? What's going on? Can you just let me tell you how I see this? Because you assume that I'm going to be mad with you. And I did. I assumed that God was going to be like, you sinner, how could you not be content with me? You know, I just knew, I I just knew that I knew what God was going to say about this discontentment in my heart. And he said none of the things that I thought he would say. (laughs) In fact, one of the sweetest things that I've ever heard the Lord say was, you know, it's good that you want to be strong, but when when you can't be strong anymore, my strength is there for you. You can have my strength. Ephesians 6, 10, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. And it just melted me. It melted me into a puddle of tears. It's like, God, what? You know, because I was, I was struggling to be strong because I'm super type A and I'm very responsible and I'm accountable. And this is what I said I was going to do. And, you know, I'm committed to God and I'm going to fulfill my obligation to the Lord. Um, and then God is just like, can you just let me tell you how I see it? And I don't see it like you see it. I don't see it as something shameful. I see it as something that I want to partner with you in and hold you in and hold you through and be your strength in. And that was just phenomenal. But I, I was never going to get breakthrough until I could be honest and allow God to see me in that in that space. Um, and so I had to learn to be honest with God. I had to learn to tell him how I was feeling. Um I had to learn how to get gut level honest and and tell him what was really going on. And that was really where breakthrough happened for me. And I saw myself make progress in being content and being strong. Um, And that was beautiful. Um, One of the last things, well, two, two last things. I'm going to try to like hurry up. 
Um, I had to learn how to be practical and to be wise. Um, my spiritual dad says wisdom violated is chaos created. And um, during my college years, I really loved spending time with my roommates and we'd talk and we, I talked about this on one of the other podcasts. You know, we'd find ourselves talking kind of pretty regularly about like being single and wanting to be married and what kind of spouse and what kind of wedding and we'd be watching our J-Lo movies and, you know, jamming out to our music and stuff. And um, all of that, you know, if the goal is contentment, a lot of that was working to uproot my contentment. Um, a lot of watching people's proposals on YouTube was like bad juju. It was not good <laughs> because it was just constantly kind of in your face about, you know, what you, what you weren't experienced, but you wanted, you know, what you weren't experiencing, but you weren't seeing in your life, but you, you deeply desired. And I had to get wise. I had to listen to the Lord's wisdom about, John, you cannot constantly have marriage on your mouth, you know, out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth speaks. So if all you're talking about is being married, you're obsessed with being married. And that's not, it's, that has nothing to do with the kingdom. Like seek ye first the kingdom and then all of these things will be added. Your focus should be the kingdom. Like what's going on? This is off kilter. This is out of whack and off balance. Um, so I had to learn to be practical. I had to learn not to violate wisdom and what I was watching and what I was listening to. I had to be mindful of um, where my heart was. And that's that's kind of the final lesson. I had to learn myself. I had to learn what my triggers were. I had to learn you know, what the cycles I would go through were, you know, I had to be mindful of pitfalls and weaker places in my walls, you know, as far as self-control or, you know, like just triggers. Like I had to learn that um, I do not need to be watching like romantic scenes on TV in any way. And I, to this day, look away from those things because it's almost like it's a weird, like it just does something to my heart that that wars against my soul and my contentment. Um, and so I had to learn myself. I had to learn what those pitfalls were, what those triggers were, where are the spaces that I don't need to be, you know, is it a great time to be listening to Mario's let me love you? Cause that's my jam. You know, I had to learn myself and be accountable to what God was showing me about me. So those are my lessons, um, from, I guess I'd say 24 years of singleness, but that would be me being dramatic. Those are just things that I've learned in being single, um, benefits. So like I said, I'm a fan of singleness. I truly am. I really, I mean, I'm sort of biased, kind of like the, like the apostle Paul is like, you know, everybody, if you don't have to be married, don't get married. I just feel like everybody should have a space of singleness because it's just such a beneficial and fruitful place of your life to be in. Cause I just, I flourished in singleness, honestly. Um, but one of the biggest benefits I think that singleness affords us is the ability to learn ourselves. And I love it. Like, I just love it. I, um, I feel like singleness is sort of like the bedrock of self-discovery, self-mastery, the opportunities for healing and awareness and reflection are just humongous. They are huge. I think a lot of times I, first of all, I think we are a society that self-medicates way too freely. Um, but I think we don't just do it with actual substances. I think a lot like silence freaks us out. Singleness freaks us out because we're alone. Um, and we don't know like what that means. And we're afraid of being alone. Um, but I think in being alone, I have learned how to stand on my own two feet. I have learned how to celebrate myself. I've learned how to enjoy my own company. I've learned how to enjoy silence and just the emptiness, the empty space. Like I just... I love, I've loved, I've learned to love what singleness offers me in that, in that way, in that regard. Um, God had to really learn to, well, not learn, God had to really teach me how to celebrate myself and 
to value myself. And that came in the process of just letting him tell me how he saw me. I think I talked about this when we discussed identity in the very early weeks of the podcast. God taught me how to love myself. He taught me, first of all, he showed me what he loved about me. And in turn, I came to love those things. It was like from the outside to the inside. Oh my goodness. Lord, you created me with such intentionality and I am bad. Wow. You know, like just really loving who I am. Um, And then I think I also learned to listen and pay attention to what my needs were. I think I learned me a lot better in this space of not having somebody else to divert my attention. I think I learned, Jelan, you need to rest here. Hey, you tend to be avoidant when you've got a big task in front of you, Um, you know, you kind of have a like a sharp tongue, not that I didn't know this, but just learning how to manage that. I think I just self-mastery is just this awesome benefit that's available in singleness. And I mean, it doesn't mean that if you're single, you engage in self-mastery or learning yourself. It means that you have the space to do it. And I think that's really powerful. It's a really powerful benefit of singleness. Um, I also really, really enjoy my deep freedom and flexibility. Um I have so much room to do what I want to do, to be who I want to be. You know, how do I want to spend my time? How do I want to spend my money? Where do I want to go? What do I want to do? Um, what do I want to eat today? What do I want to watch on TV? You know, you name it. I have the freedom and flexibility to choose that for myself. Um, I mean, honestly, I've traveled so much in the past two years, um, from Europe to Waco, Texas, to Uganda. Like I've just really been able to take advantage of the freedom to go where I want to go because I don't have my mom's. Okay. So let me back up. My mom has taught me this sort of self-motto thing. Um, and it's go see do. And she's, her rationale is like, John, you have no husband, no kids. You have a job that you're responsible for, obviously. Or when I was in school, I was, you know, in school getting my master's. But I had this room to just go. I could go where I wanted to go. I have this room to go where I want to go, to see what it is that I want to see, to do what I want to do, and to maximize on, like, to capitalize on that. Like, at some point, my life will be tied to another human being or human beings and human beings. And I'm going to be responsible for dinners and kids homework. And well, my husband's going here, so I can't go here because who's going to have the kids? Like I have none of those responsibilities in this place of singleness. And so it affords me all of this latitude from my day-to-day life to where do I want to be in the next five years. Um, I can plan my financial future. I can plan, you know, how I want to spend my money in the next six months. Where do, how do I want to invest? Um, how do I want to spend my time? Um, and it's a really huge benefit of being single. On the flip side, there is the, the, the propensity to become too single. And that means you become too rigid and inflexible um, in your singleness. You're just used to your way or the highway. And that's something that we do have to be on guard against. We can't be like, I'm so used to my way that I'm, I have no room for someone else, especially if you're desiring you know, to get married. If you're a single person, I would still encourage you to learn how to coexist with other people and go with the flow and learn to defer. Um, but as single people, especially as you're hoping for and believing God to bring another person into your life or partnership, you can't get so single that there's not room, so independent that there's not room for another person. Um, but the flexibility and freedom are something that are that is beautiful to enjoy as a single person. The last sort of benefit that I really um, see in marriage or in singleness, I'm sorry, is there are very few demands. And this kind of goes hand in hand with what I was talking about, the freedom and flexibility. But um, I just think about on a very personal level as a human being, 
it's really kind of just me and Jesus, you know, and Jesus just gives me room to grow. He's kind of like, hey, there's not that there's time, but you don't necessarily always sense an urgency to fix those things like, hey, you need to work on this. Hey, you're procrastinating. Hey, you know, God gives you that room to grow. He's very gracious. Um, Jackie Hill Perry, who is a a phenomenal poet and she you know speaks and things like that um she's got a fabulous instagram page that's always hilarious and entertaining but also drops some truth bombs um has had posted a couple months ago maybe a year ago now but she said you know marriage really she wasn't aware of this element of marriage that she is called urgent sanctification which is her sin nature her sin behavior whatever her procrastination her sharp mouth really didn't impact another person directly when she was single however when she got married they had a direct impact impact on her husband her spouse and it was causing conflict and tension in her marriage and so there was almost this press to get it resolved and fix it because it was directly impacting her relationship with her husband um and in singleness you kind of don't have that i mean the lord is so like hey fix this thing and we need to be responsible to that but there's not that tension that immediate tension like um and so in that like another person is going to bring about their own demands you know their own needs their own wants that as a married person you are responsible for listening to giving heed to acknowledging um and I think the that and that's something that single people don't necessarily always acknowledge enough we don't really kind of acknowledge the trade-off that Um, My pastor talks about where your life is now is the least complex it'll ever be, not just as a single person, but as maybe just a married couple without kids, as a married couple with one kid, as a married, you know, your life is always as it, as the blessings increase, so does the complexity. Um, And so as a single person, you get to enjoy a very non-complicated, uncomplicated life. Um, And that's really what the Apostle Paul was talking about. And I think it's 1 Corinthians 7. Um, If it's not 1 Corinthians, it's 2nd. It's one of the Corinthians in chapter 7. Um, but that your life, you're, you're free of entanglements, you know, you can really devote yourself to, to the Lord. Um, and that's a, that's a benefit. You have the space to seek the Lord. You can go as hard as you want to really, you know, there's not necessarily someone putting a restraint on you or your spouse that doesn't move quite as quickly as you, as you do. Um, you can just, you can go, you can go as hard as you want to. So, um, I have a friend who's going on an overseas sort of mission tour for 11 months singleness affords her that (laughs) you know she doesn't have the demand of a husband at home who needs to be cooked for or taken care of or you know kids that are waiting on her and mom you know no she's single she has you know her her siblings and her parents and so um she can take an 11 month tour on you know a cruise and or i don't even know how they're going but she can take an 11 month tour around the world because singleness allows her that space um I think I also consider how I spend my time. Um, If I want to be at Waffle House with my friends until 1 a.m., I can do that because nobody's waiting on me and nobody's like, where are you? I'm waiting up for you. Like, are you safe? You know, I mean, my parents are, but they're like, you're good. You know, I don't have a a spouse that's like, I can't go to bed till you come to bed, you know, kind of thing. Um, I made a list of, um, it's called My Single Blessings. And I just kind of keep track of the things that singleness affords me, all the sort of like little perks and benefits um, that I have. And I would encourage you to like really, especially if you're in a a space where you're like super uber discontent, like just stop and go, what can I do because I'm single? Who can I be because I'm single? And take note of that because you may not have that in another season of life and you need to be maxing, maximizing that. You need to be capitalizing on that. You need to be sucking that dry. Um, So yeah, 
this is the least complex my life will ever be. And I think that's a benefit that I'm more quick to acknowledge now and, um, and really appreciate. So challenges, cause we all know singleness is no walk in the park. <laughs> um, I think perceptions have been one of the biggest challenges. Um, I think loneliness, um, or desiring companionship, um, I think feeling forgotten or, um, like impatience with my current life season has been a pretty constant challenge when it comes to being single, um, I don't know that I feel lonely as much as I long for companionship, especially around cuffing season, a.k.a. the holidays, um, where you want to cuff up, you know, like a cuff to someone. I don't know. Anyway, um, that sort of temptation to feel not temptation, but you feel kind of alone, you know, especially like holidays where it's like, oh, look at the family shopping, you know, or I don't know. I think that that's sort of a sort of sometimes it's a difficult space to navigate. Um and that's been a challenge. Um, I have to be aware of where my head is at, the thoughts that I'm thinking. I have to be aware of, you know, the enemy trying to belittle me and make me feel small and forgotten. Um, I think impatience sort of comes from my internal, like, timeline. I think a lot of times I find myself going by now, even though we've talked about by now and how dangerous by now can be. Um, but I think impatience and feeling forgotten can um, definitely sort of crush your spirits. I think that singleness is not easy, y'all. Like, I'm not saying it is. Um, it's easier to self-medicate. It's e- easier to medicate with people. Um, singleness, however, really requires you to go, okay, Lord, I'm gonna depend on you to fill in the gaps. And that's hard. It's, it's hard, like, sitting in silence to hear your own thoughts. It's hard, like, asking yourself questions about why do I do that and what has happened to me. It's hard. Singleness is not a cakewalk. It's challenging. Um, but it's beautiful. I think uh, my spiritual parents talk about the earth is hard, but the treasure is fine. The treasure is rich. And that's really what singleness is. It's it's not easy. Um, it's, it's a challenge on a lot of days. There are days when it's like, if I spend my whole life doing this without another person, I'm good. God is good. You know, God is good regardless. But there are times when you feel like I got this. Um, and there are days when it knocks you on your butt. <laughs> um but that's okay because God is with you through it all. Um, and it's not that those days are going to go away when you get married. That they will very well likely still be there. Um, but those are some of the challenges. So I want to give you practical tips kind of as we kind of as we close. Um, the first one, include God in everything, which is duh, but include God in everything. Um, from the God, this is so great. I love this. Thank you so much to the this sucks. Um, vent. Like God wants to hear it. My mom always says, God's a big boy. He can take it like vent when you need to vent, um, say what you need to say. Like I said, I tried to be strong in the space and handle my discontentment on my own and it just didn't work. So in the, in the times when you're like, tell God and listen to him. Um, I, uh, I think that's a very powerful first step. That's a powerful step, period. But definitely including God and saying, like, this is how I feel. This is what it is. And then to listen to his guidance and listen to his comfort. Because God has given us the Holy Spirit as a comforter um, and to remind us and to guide us into all truth. And a lot of times when the enemy comes with um, the feelings of being forgotten or um, the impatience or um, loneliness, it's not truth. And as singles, we have to be skilled at at kind of turning about face into truth and stirring ourselves up into truth. Um, 
The next thing that I would say is is a huge, huge tip for being successfully single, thriving in your singleness is have a vision for your singleness. What are your goals? You know, you have this space that has very little demands, has tons of freedom and flexibility. What are you going to make out of it? I always say at the, um, as I get, when I get married, I want to look back on how I spent my single time and not feel like I wasted it. I want to live my life now in such a way that when I get married, I know I like ran the sucker to the ground, that the wheels came off. There was nothing else to get out of it. I just, I maximize it. Like I max out a credit card. That's how I want to live my single season. Um, and so I have to think about what, what would it mean for me to look back as I'm up at 4 a.m. feeding a baby you know, how am I going to reflect on my single time and be like, oh, but I did good. I, I used that time really well, you know, and I and I then I, I kind of structure my life around that. How do I want to spend my time? What do I want to say that I've done? What have I built in that season? You know, think about those things and then restructure your life around achieving those things and becoming those things. Um, the next thing I would say is decide what you want and what you're believing for. I just talked to one of my good friends about this the other day. And I think as single, sometimes when we've been single for a while and we see other single people around us and we don't see any movement on their singleness or ours, we tend to kind of just start, I mean, we're speaking faith, but we're planning for worst case scenario. We're speaking faith and believing disaster, preparing for disaster. Um, and I think that goes to the heart of, you know, a double-minded man is unstable in all, in all his ways. He should not think that he'll receive anything from God. If you're back and forth, like, yeah, I believe for a spouse, but if I'm single forever, you know, I'm, I'm just trying to prepare myself for that blow. I think you kind of set yourself up in this double-minded space where God is like, which one is it? You know, and so what I would encourage you to do is believe God period. What do you want? You know, do you want to be married? Okay. Well, believe God that God is a spouse for you. That's godly. That loves you. That loves God. That's, you know, pursuing the things of God. If you don't want to be married, okay, you don't have to be married. Like kudos to you, like do it. Um, but as people that want to be married, get your scriptures and stand in faith. God has given you that desire. He made you, you didn't make you, um, believe God and just let that be the end of it. I'm gonna believe God that God's got provision set aside for me in this area. Um, and I just, I just encourage you to believe, to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living, where you're living now. Um, and then the last thing, which is, I think as just as big as including God is give yourself permission. Um, give yourself permission to feel what you feel. (laughs) We are a culture of stuffers and it is to our detriment. (laughs) Um, but give yourself permission to feel what you feel and then get up and believe God, um, I had a birthday that was a really, really rough birthday a couple of years ago. And I think I had just been trying to be strong and trying to be tough and push past what I was feeling. You know, I was feeling really alone. I was feeling kind of forgotten, feeling like, God, what in the world? Um, and I just kept stuffing it down and just being like, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. The feeling will fade. The feeling will fade. The feeling will fade. And it was on my birthday where everything just welled up and crashed on the inside of me. I ended up like crying myself to sleep, but I was just honest. I was like, God, I feel like this. I feel like this. I just can't believe this, you know? And it was so funny because God really didn't say anything to me. I feel like more than anything, he just let me cry and held me. And, um, and I got up the next day and was like, okay, I still, I still got little tears in the corners of my eyes, but I got that out and I'm going to believe God and I'm going to believe that he hasn't forgotten me. I'm going to believe that he sees me, that he's written my name on the the palms of his hands, that I'm ever before him, you know, um, that he has good things for me to walk in. And, and that was the process. And I feel like it's a, it's like David's process in the Psalms. You see David just let it all hang out and be like, this is happening and oops, sorry, this is happening and this is happening and this is going on. 
And then he's like, but God is and but the truth is and this is what I'm believing for. Um, And so, yeah, give yourself permission to feel what you feel, to be where you are um, and then get up and believe God. Um, Like I said, it's not easy. It's not for the faint of heart, but you can do this if you're single. <laughs> not everybody's single, but this is something that you can do. And there's so, again, the earth is hard, but the treasure is fine. And so I just want to encourage you as a single person, um, you got this. Like God is not unrighteous to forget. Um, he sees you in due time. He will reward you if you faint not, if you continue, continue to believe God. Um, there is truly, uh, I think it's Psalm, or not, sorry, Psalms. It's Proverbs 23, 17 and 18. And it talks about don't envy sinners, um, but continue in the reverential fear of the Lord all the day long, because surely there is a latter end of reward and a hope for you. Your hope and expectation will not be cut off. Um, and so just anchor yourself in the word, man, anchor yourself in the word, you know, encourage yourself, run your race, not someone else's run your race and be encouraged. This week is a phenomenal week. God has set aside so much good for you in this week single or married. Um, and so go into it boldly and take what's yours. Overwhelming victory is yours. Um, God has already gone ahead of you. He's made crooked places straight and rough places smooth, and he is with you. And therefore promotion, advancement, and favor are all about you wherever you go. And so I bless you guys this week. You have a phenomenal week. You boss it out. Get it. Go. Go.